So the law cannot save. The law was the knowledge of sin. That's how we know that we've all sinned and failed in the eyes of the Lord. So what the law couldn't do, produce righteousness, now that you have the Holy Spirit living within you and you have this new birth, now you can live the way God wants you to live. You can produce the fruits of righteousness. So look there very quickly in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 6. Chapter 6. And you notice what he says here because of this righteousness that God wants. You'll notice down in verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin and the death or of obedience unto righteousness. The lost man can't produce the righteousness God's looking for. And this is why Christ says that if he's looking for the tree to produce the fruit, and if it doesn't produce the fruit of righteousness, he's going to cut down the tree. Well, then no tree can produce this righteousness, and he's talking about people, then every person dies and all the trees are cut down. But he was that tender plant that grew up, and he has the righteous seeds, and so those who eat from this tree, the fruit of that tree, Christ, well, then we have eternal life and we can bring forth the fruits of righteousness. So he mentions this about yielding ourselves and so forth to him. But he wants us to bring forth this fruit of righteousness. That's why I want you to see there in verse 21 of chapter 6. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now been made free from sin, that old sinful nature, and become servants to God... Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Your fruit that lasts forever. Now, also there in chapter 7, he talks about a man and a woman who gets married. And she can't marry another man as long as she's married to this man. So uh, she has to wait till he dies. And when he dies, she's free to marry another. Well, see... Our old sinful nature, we were like married, but I can't marry Christ because I'm married to my old man. But if this old man was dead, then I would be free to marry Christ. So that's why you have to accept Christ as your Savior, and His death was the death of this old man you were married to. Now you're free from that old man so that you can marry Christ. Now that you're married to Christ, you can bring forth fruits of righteousness that you could not when you were married to the old man. Because you see, that old man is that old sinful, wicked nature that you had. And you could not produce the fruits of righteousness. And therefore, you could not do what God wanted. But see, in the chapter 7, notice what he says in verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. See, I ain't making this stuff up. I mean, it's right there in the book. It says the same thing. But notice what he says. That we should bring forth what? Fruit unto God. Now, you couldn't do it in the old man, but you can do it in the new man. So the new man can produce the fruits of righteousness and please God, but when you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. And so this is why the eighth chapter of the book of Romans explains this difference. And so that's why he wants you to be spiritually minded instead of carnally minded. Now, some people try to say, and especially those in the Calvinistic field, 
that there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. They just say the carnal Christian is the lost man. No. In the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, there is a natural man, there is a carnal man, and there is a spiritual man. And so we believe that the carnal Christian, the carnal mind, is the mind of a Christian who is letting the mind of the flesh control his life. So there's going to be results from that. Whatever seeds you sow, you're going to produce. So notice what else he says here. Look in verse 5. He says in verse 5 of chapter 7, For when you are in the flesh, the motions of sin, or the desire, the passions of sins that motivate you to do what you do, which were by the law, he said, did work in our members, our flesh, physical body, to bring forth fruit unto death. That's why the Christian's life in the flesh, if you live in the flesh, you're going to bring forth fruit. But none of that fruit lives forever because God does not reward you for that. It's nothing but death and destruction. God does not give you credit for that. It's a waste of time. Like letting you live and you absolutely accomplish zero. So and the Christian now has this choice of flesh and spirit. How are you going to be? You're going to be carnally minded or spiritually minded? And if you become spiritually minded, then you're going to have to develop a way of thinking. That's why you have to study the Word of God so that you can think the way God wants you to think so you can produce that which God wants you to produce. If you use your natural mind, which most Christians, I believe, do, they do what they want to do, the way they want to do it, and that's good enough for them. They're serving the Lord is just whatever they want to do and call it, I'm serving the Lord. Instead of, what does God want? What does God want? Now notice what else he says here. In verse 6, but now, now, we are delivered from the law. That being what? That being what? Dead. So, you are, in God's eyes, dead. And because you are dead, the law cannot touch you. Now, why would you want to, if you have this new birth, go back to the cemetery and dig up that old man and drag him around with you? And say, lead me and guide me and tell me what to do. Well, he's the one that got you in that trouble in the first place. Leave that old man alone. If he's dead, leave him dead. Now, as you live your Christian life, you'll find out he gets revived every once in a while. And then slaps you upside the head. And you can be surprised how he can control your life, how quickly it can happen. So you have here in verse 6, But now we are delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter, which is of the law. So now God says, you have a choice. The flesh, look up here, the flesh is under the law. But you died. The law cannot condemn you. That's why in 8 chapter and verse 1, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. These are the only ones a believer in Christ can walk after the Spirit. And he cannot, the new birth cannot walk after the flesh. So you have choices that you have to make in your Christian life about what you want to do. So you as an individual, I got two births. Now which one am I going to let control my life? I can't make my new birth sin. They call it my new birth cannot sin. So whenever I do that which is wrong, it's my flesh. This is why he says there in chapter 7, look at this. In verse 17, 
Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You have this old sinful nature still dwelling inside of you. And in verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my, what? In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find now. How do I get victory when I have this old sinful desire, the emotions of sin, the passions and so forth, that still do wrong? And they can be just as big and real and mean and ugly as they've always been all your life. And they will be until the day you die. You'd be surprised the things you can think about, the things you can feel. All this is the flesh. And you have it. And so that's why he says there in verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, look at me. It's that old sinful nature that you have. So you have choices that you make. Now, back there to chapter 8. In verse 4, where he says, excuse me, verse 3, But what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. The law was strong, it's spiritual, it's good, it's holy, and all that. That's mentioned over there in Romans in chapter 7. And there's nothing wrong with the law, but the law was considered to be weak in this point. It could not make you do what it wants you to do. It could command you to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, but it couldn't make you do it. And thou shalt not covet, but you still covet. And sometimes when the law told you not to do something, it created the desire to want to do it. Did you know that of everything that was in the garden, of everything that you could eat, it wasn't until he told them, don't eat the fruit of this tree, that that became a problem. You could have 15 jars in the cabinet, but tell little Johnny, Johnny, that one right there, don't look in that one. Now, which one do you think he wants to look in? Because you made a law. There's just something about your nature. When you're told you can't do this, I can't. What? You can't have this. Why? It, a law automatically creates the passion to want to break the law. You ever pull up to the stop sign? Totally stop? Look both ways? Or you just slow down real slow? Don't confess your sins to me. I don't want to know. Have you ever went one mile over the speed limit? Not me. Never one mile. <laughs> Always a whole bunch more. But you could not make, the law could not make a person righteous. Where does it say in the Bible that the law made nothing perfect? Where is that found? All right, since we ain't going to wait on you all day. Look in Hebrews chapter 7. Hold your place here. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, look in verse 19. This is why it's so important to see and understand from what God has to say. For the law made nothing perfect. If it can't make you perfect, why try to keep it to go to heaven? If you have to be perfect to go to heaven. It's a problem, right? But, 
the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. There is a better way, and that was through Christ. Now, when you trust Christ as your Savior, He makes you perfect. And that's why in chapter 10, it states that in verse 10, 12, and 14. Now, go back to the book of Romans. Back to Romans. So he says here in verse 3, For what the law could not do, it, that in that it was weak through the flesh, because the man couldn't obey it, God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Does that mean that He had sinful flesh? It was in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was in a body just like ours. Now his body got tired, he got hungry, he got weary and worn, and all that. He was thirsty, but he did not have a sinful nature. He did not sin, he could not sin. He is God. Now notice, he says he was in, a, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He did not yield to a sinful nature. Though he was tempted, he did not yield. He condemned the sin because he never obeyed the sinful desires or the passions or anything like that. He never failed. He was not guilty. No fault found in him. And therefore, he was able to do what no man could do. So he delivered us. That's why he's talked about the body of his death, Christ. And so he made that payment for us. And so we accept his death is our death. I died. As far as God is concerned, my old man, he died. And all I have left is my new birth. Now, some people believe that you don't have that sinful nature anymore. It's been totally eradicated. That is not true. Your old nature is just as real as it's always been. But now you have a way to control in verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, but not necessarily by us. See, this is why God is going to give to us, the moment we trust Him as Savior, He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us never leads you to sin. The Holy Spirit is not in my flesh birth. He's in my physical flesh body, but not in my flesh birth, that old sinful nature. He's in my new birth. And therefore, His Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. How do I know I'm a child of God? Because His Spirit bears witness with my spirit. How does He do that? With the Word of God. The Holy Spirit gave us the Word and bears witness, and I know that I'm saved. How do I know? Because God's Word says so. So I witness that this is the Word of God, and this is true, and I believe it. And that's mentioned over there in the other column that we'll get to a little bit later. But now notice in verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now look up here. This is the only birth that can walk after the Spirit. This one cannot walk after the Spirit. This one can. It can only walk after the Spirit. So you and I have choices that we have to make. So if I will walk in the Spirit then I can bring forth the fruits of righteousness that God wants. So if you just simply made a list of everything that God says to do that's right, and you just start walking according to those, it becomes a path of righteousness. The Holy Spirit is not an unholy spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot lead you to do anything that's wrong. The new birth cannot sin, and the Holy Spirit cannot sin. And that's why... 
You can't say, well, the Lord told me and the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding me and what you want to do is wrong. I've had so many people tell me, well, yeah, I prayed about it. Yeah, but it's still wrong. I don't care if you prayed about it or not. It's what you're doing is wrong. Wrong, wrong. And there'll be people sometimes, they'll live together. But we love each other and it's okay because, um, you know, we prayed about it. I don't care. It's still wrong. God's word ain't changed. So you still go by what the book says. Now look there in verse 5. In verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Are right, you got a flesh birth? If you become carnally minded, it means you're going to mind the flesh. If you become spiritually minded, you mind the spirit. It means you do what the flesh says or you do what the spirit says. Have you ever had kids and you told your kids, now you better mind me. What do you mean? What do you, mean? you better mind me. What do you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? You better do what I say do. Or, or <laughs> hopefully there's some consequences if you don't. So when you're talking about if I mind the Lord, then I'm going to have this fruit. And if I mind the flesh, I'm going to have these results and the sins of the flesh, and there's going to be consequences. So all of life, you're making decisions all your life, every day of your life. And some God can bless, and some God may have to chasten. So you can either choose to be obedient or disobedient. So now notice what it says there in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In other words, minded of the flesh, carnally minded is death, means that you have placed yourself back into that old dead man. And he's dead. So there's nothing that you can produce that will honor God. For the flesh cannot please God. So whenever you follow the flesh, live in the flesh, you have just put yourself back and resurrect a dead man. Now, if you want to live like that, that's, that's fine. But there's consequences. God may have to chasten you because of your bad decisions, but if you'll walk after the Spirit, walk after the, uh, the, uh, in the Lord, God will bless your life. And I can tell you that the fruits, the joy of serving the Lord is going to be so much better. You won't have, you will have any regrets down the road. You'll be so glad you went ahead and did what God says to do. But now notice the last part of verse 6. Spiritually minded, life and peace. Now, is that what you want? You see, there's a verse in the Bible somewhere, I think it's in the book of Galatians, that you will reap what you, you sow. If you sow... To the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. So it's your choice. You can sow to whichever, but be not deceived. God is not mocked. And how do you mock God? By mocking sin. I can do it and get away. It won't be that bad. It's okay. No, it's not. You're deceiving yourself. So you should always live your life as honest as you possibly can between you and the Lord. And nobody else can make you do that. Other Christians can't make you walk after the Spirit or after the flesh. They can't control you. That's your choice. They can influence you, but the, still the decision is yours. And we're supposed to be careful. We're supposed to provoke one another unto good works. Challenge people. Do everything we possibly can. But you're still responsible for what you do. Now... He says in verse 7, because the carnal mind is against God. It's enemy. It's like an enemy of God. The carnal mind. 
And that's why he said, you cannot please God in the flesh. So he says here in verse 7, For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The law of God, or the spirit of the law of spirit of life, as he says up there, look over here. This one is under the law of the spirit of God. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, what's that word? Liberty. There's freedom. There's liberty. And that's what keeps you where you can live. You're free from this. But if you don't, this is over here is to capture. And that's why he says in verse 23 of the previous chapter, but I see another law in my mind, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity. So you want to be free or you want to be captive? It's like that old man came back from the dead and captured you. Now, is that what you want? You can have that. All you got to do is just live your own life, go your own way. And you won't even know you've been trapped, that you've been captured. Hold your place right here and look there in the book of 2 Corinthians. Yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And look in verse 3. In verse 3 says of chapter 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Then we live in this old physical body. But we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, where are these strongholds? Well, look at this. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And get this, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. How do you take revenge against disobedience? By obedience. If you obey, you don't have to worry about disobeying. If you fill your life doing what God wants you to do, you don't have to worry about what you're not supposed to do. See, some people always, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. And live such a negative life. Think about all the things you are supposed to do and get so busy doing what God says you should do and can do, and you don't have to worry about the things you're not supposed to do. If I go to all the places that I'm supposed to go to, then I don't have to ever worry about the places I'm not supposed to go to. Don't that make sense? Hello? Everybody's asleep out there. Time to wake up. Smell the coffee. I wish I had a cup of coffee right now. When are you going to make my, my coffee thing up here? I want one of those electric things that keeps it hot, too, so I can just... I hate cold coffee. I just hate cold, cold coffee. I want hot coffee. All right, let's go back here to the book of Romans in chapter 8. So in verse 8, and we'll finish with verse 8, where it says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot what? That's why the lost man can't please God. The Christian who walks in the flesh can't please God. That's why he says that you can only please God by faith. He said it is impossible to please God except by faith. That means doing what God wants you to do. Well, the flesh doesn't want to do what God wants to do. But your new birth does. So that's why this is 
this is good to go through these verses and take our time and not be in a big hurry. Sometimes I like to give an overview, then I like to go back through and just say, let's just look at this verse and this verse, and it'll help. All right, look up here. You know, this morning after we finished, somebody about 1120 or 1150 or something like that said they trusted Christ as Savior. And I just think that's so neat that the people that are watching and are literally around the world. So we don't know how many people are watching. All I know is I forget all about sometimes, and all I know I'm talking to y'all, and I realize, uh-oh, that, that red light's on up there. And I remember, there's somebody may be listening to what I'm saying. And uh, so that's why I always got to make sure I'm speaking everything perfect. This ends you and me. Walla represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, and he hates our sin. Now, we were born children of the flesh, and they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's why going to church doesn't please God. If you're a lost man, going to church doesn't please God. However you do, say it doesn't please God. And you cannot deliver yourself from the condemnation. We've all sinned, and according to the law, we have to pay our debt. And that's death, eternal separation from God. And because we have all sinned, we're all condemned. And God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect and righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. And so God says, by your works, you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sins of all the world, paid for them on the cross. He died. The old man is supposed to be dead. Christ come back again from the dead and said, if we would believe he did it for us, he'd put this death payment he made to our account. We go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. And that's the best news in all the world. He said, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So the very moment you and I trust Christ as Savior, he gives us eternal life, we become God's children. He gives us a new birth. And this is the one, our new birth is what's going to heaven. Because no sin can be in heaven. This is why this old man can't go. He has to die. And Christ took care of that when he died on the cross. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. And if you're watching by the internet tonight, understand that the only thing you have to do is the only thing you can do. You can't earn eternal life, so it must be free. And friend, it is. And the only thing you have to do is believe that when Christ died, he died for you and paid for all your sins. So would you trust him, depend upon him? God said if you would believe it, he, you would not perish. You would have everlasting life. I pray that you will. Father, we are thankful so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for this time together. We ask your blessings upon the study of your word. We've done as you've asked. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.